Uh, I want us to get back to a topic that we started uh, probably about a month ago, and it's the blessings of spiritual hunger. Uh, hunger is extremely important when it comes to spiritual matters. And, you know, I remember when I first got saved, uh, my desire for the things of God uh, was just maybe a little bit above the average. I, you know, I mean, there wasn't any time that the church wasn't open that I didn't want to be there. Uh, I would call my youth pastor and say, what are we doing today? Are we doing anything? Are we going to visit somebody? I was like so excited about the things of God. Uh, and I was hungry for more of God. And, and that's something that we have gotten, um, that we have forgotten, I think, in our society. Uh, I know Robert mentioned something about the fact that we all want to belong. And that is so true. There's a, such a deep sense of belonging in all of us. Um, and I would say that when it comes to the things of God, uh, we all need to find a way to connect and to, and to be hungry for more of what God has for all of us. So when we started this topic, <clears throat> uh, I mentioned that the challenge of the Christian life is to be spiritually or to be spiritually full and yet being hungry at the same time. That's a challenge, right? Because typically in the natural, when you eat, you're full and you don't want to eat anymore. But in the spirit or the spiritual things of life, we eat, and the more we eat, the more hungry we should get for what God has for us. That is the way that it works spiritually. The more I take, the more I want because God has so much more to give to all of us. Now, let me make a, for the sake of clarity, say this, that when we're talking about spiritual hunger, we're not talking about a list of shoulds and should not, okay? I want to make that clear because that's just religion. Religion is man's attempt to reach God, right? Uh, you probably wonder today when you, you know, see people coming up and sharing, well, what's going on in this church? Well, we're a family, and we believe that God empowers each and every one of us to be ministers to the body, Right? That's the way that it should be. We've kind of gotten away from it. We leave, you know, the job to, to the professionals. Uh, and, and I truly believe that God wants to use each and every one of us to minister to the body. Right? And so this is not a list of, you know, maybe I should go to prayer. Maybe I should go to Gap. That just basically is Ezekiel 22:30 that says that we're called to stand in the gap. That's why we call that time gap Wednesday prayer, right? We're standing in the gap on behalf of our families, of our church, and of our community and our country. Uh, we, it's not about I should go to church or I should read my Bible or I should know this. It's really having a sense of freedom that is uh, a, a, a pure and undeniable hunger for the things of God, a desire for God. And I want to tell you that as a church leadership, we are committed. If there's one thing that we're committed about, we're committed to embracing those things that lead us into an increase in our hunger and thirst for the things of God. I know somebody likes it. We're committed to that. 
because we truly want to see each and every one of us. I would love to see each and every one of you come to prayer every single event that we come to, that we have an opportunity to, because God has just shown up. And you say, that's unrealistic. Well, maybe, maybe not. Because we're living in a day, guys, that we cannot afford not to be fully and wholly committed to God. We can't afford not to. We have got to be completely, completely sold out for God. You know, I remember one of my recollections, well, probably one of my most powerful recollections when I was in seminary. Uh, every semester we would have a week called spiritual emphasis days. And we would stop, we would put away the books, we put away teaching, everything would be put aside. And there was only one thing going on from morning until night. And many times there were people that were on their face through the night into the next day. And we would just seek the Lord, hungry for God, desiring passion for the things of the Lord. Guys, where is our passion for the things of God? Where is it? You know, sometimes we come to church and we have to, like, force ourselves to empty of all of this stuff that's going on. We're so busy in life, busy with this and that and the other. The kids have dance classes and baseball and soccer and all the other stuff. And, and, and so life is so complicated at times that the last person that should be number one takes the last place in our lives. And that's God. And yet, that's what he desires. You know, the definition of hunger is this. Hunger in the natural, hunger itself is to have a strong desire or a craving for something. A feeling of discomfort or weakness caused by lack of food coupled by a desire to eat. Now, uh, what time is it? 11 o'clock? We're probably all starting to like, oh, you know, it's almost lunchtime. I hope this guy doesn't talk too long. I promise I will not be. But spiritual hunger is a desire for God that releases the fullness of his presence into our lives. That's what spiritual hunger is. When we hunger for more of God, God says, hmm, him. Hmm, her, I'm going to release the fullness of everything that I have into him and into her. I love the illustration Regina gave us earlier, that we need to fill our spiritual tanks and our reserve tanks. we got to be completely filled in order to be able to survive in this world in which we live. Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9 is our text today. Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9, and it says... Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. He fills the hungry with good things. Hey, look at the person next to you and tell him, God's going to fill you with good things. Go ahead and do it. God's going to fill you with good things. Oh, Jesus. God desires to fill us with good things. He, in fact, he wants it more than we do. Um, spiritual hunger can lead us into the deep places of God's heart. 
And that is a place where not only does he lead us to understand his heart, but also he leads us into those places so that we can understand our heart to a, in a deeper way. Because when you look at God, you can't help but just, if there's something in there that is not right, you're going to know it. Because God already knows it. And so the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more the magnifying glass just goes on to those areas of our lives that need transformation. When we are closer to God, we're going to go deeper into God and also deeper into us. And you know what? Spiritual hunger takes us on a journey. And it takes us on a journey toward God, but also to ourselves. We see ourselves the way that God wants us to see us. There's a couple of things I want to point out today about spiritual hunger. First <clears throat> is that I believe that spiritual hunger requires us to be in a place of humility. You say, why humility? Well, because humility puts us in a posture where we realize that God is greater than we are. God is greater than any of our circumstances. God is greater than anything. And without him, we are nothing. We are nothing. And that in itself should cause us to say, God, I need you. I want more of you. Spiritual hunger begins as we are humble and we are needy, and we acknowledge that humbleness, and that, uh, we acknowledge that need in us in humility before God. You know, J John said that we must decrease so that he might increase. And I hope that this, that, that is your desire, and that is your prayer today, that we would decrease, that our desires in this life and the things that we want to do would not take a second place or a backseat to the things of God. That is what God wants from each and every one of us. You see, abundance cannot dictate hunger. I'm going to say that again. Abundance cannot dictate hunger. You say, what do you mean by abundance? Because you know what? We tend to look at our lives as, well, I have a lot and I have nothing. And when I have a lot, I don't need to go to God. Why? I mean, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I got it all down pat together. The food is great. I'm, I'm having a great time. When we have nothing, that is when we cry out to God and we scream, oh, Lord, I need you now. But why wait for those moments? You see, abundance should not dictate our hunger. A desire and desperation for God needs to dictate our hunger. Desperation for God. That is an act of grace of God in our lives, church. Because you know what? We don't deserve anything. God does not owe us anything. I love that song. We sang it in pre-service worship, but we put it on. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. When it says, you don't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us anything. We Come to him out of desire and hunger for what he has for us. That is an honor that we all have. Secondly, hunger pulls on heaven. Jesus taught us this. He said, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
You see, hungry believers pull on the presence of God from a desire. You understand that? When we pull on God's presence, we're basically crying out for God. We're saying, Lord, I need you more today than I did yesterday. And tomorrow you're going to say, Lord, I need you more today than the day before when I cried out, I need you more. And on and on and on and on it should go. Our hunger and passion for God should always increase because of who he is and what he represents in our lives. Hungry believers pull on the presence of God. We put in demand on what God already has spoken in his word. And he would do when we become, imagine what he would do when he, when he sees our hunger and we really, truly become ravenous for the things of God. Imagine what he can do. We limit God to the realm of our experience many times. We limit him based on the outcome of our day sometimes. We limit him based on our past experiences or our unsuccessful experiences in God. But you know what? God is God regardless of your past, of your present or your future. God is God regardless of the circumstances that you've lived. You know, you may look at yourself today and you might say, you don't know where I come from. It doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter. When you come and you acknowledge that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently what? Seek him. Seek him. And you shall seek and you will find me, he says. So when we are hungry and thirsty and desiring, we're going to pull on heaven. All the resources of heaven that God is going to bless us with. Hunger is a gift. <clears throat> and hunger will move us from where we are into something greater for God. Now, <laughs> you know, I think for all of us, in, in our Christian, I mean, I've, I've, I've been like that in my Christian walk with the Lord. I often, I've said, God, I want more. You know, I'm just, I, I, just, I just want this and I want that. I want the other. But you know what? Sometimes I have actually gone after that thing. But many times I haven't. And somebody said the proof of desire is in pursuit. And so if you pursue what you desire, that is evidence that you really want what you're desiring, Right? There's a, <clears throat> a message I was listening to just this past week. And, um, and it was a, a conversation between a dad and a little girl. A little girl, lunchtime, and so she went up to daddy and pointed to the fridge and said, Daddy, eat. And so the daddy picked her up, brought her to the table, set her on the chair, and he went to get the food. And the little girl comes right back. Daddy, pointing to the refrigerator. Daddy, eat. Daddy picks her up, puts her back on the chair. You stay right here. Daddy's going to bring you food. And the little girl this time, stomping her feet. Little attitude, you know. Kids don't have any attitude, right? Daddy, eat. 
And when she was saying that, she said, you know, my brother and I were talking and laughing about this little girl doing this. But he says, she said that when he was retelling the story and they were laughing about it, the Holy Spirit told her, wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't laugh too hard. That's exactly what you do. You want to eat, but you get out of your place and assignment where God has you, and you sometimes stomp your feet and say, Daddy, I want that. And God is saying, no, 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 wait a minute. You stay right here. Be faithful where you are. Do what I tell you to do. I'm going to bring the food to you. I'm going to make you successful. Just be in the place of my assignment for your life. Now, many of us are looking for, like, great ways to demonstrate the power of God, to be great men and women of God. When God is saying, hey, you know what? Will you hush her? Will you greet? Will you take care of the children? Will you give? Will you be generous? We just tend to want to take what we think is the gospel according to you and according to me. But you know what? That is not what God says. When he says, I want you hungry because I want to take you from where you are now to something greater. When you come and you come into and you get yourself into a place of expectation for my hand to move on your behalf and not you. And sometimes, I've, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. I've been in a place of expectation, oh, just so excited, and God is like, uh, 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 right here. Right here. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. No one, you think about it. When we submit ourselves in humility before God, that is when God takes us and he draws us to himself. And he gives us the desires of our heart. Hunger, my next point, must be satisfied before it disappears. You see, when the Holy Spirit draws us to the Father... We need to act upon it before we just talk ourselves out of it. How many times, Jay, can you be honest? How many times have you thought, I'm going to go and pray right now and read my Bible and just spend some time with the Lord, and then something else came up and you didn't do it? Be honest. Really, it should be all of us, right? <laughs> That's right. Feed up everything. I'm with you, brother. I can't tell you how many times. I'd be sitting at my desk and I'm taking care of my emails and doing some stuff and I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me to him and he says, come now. And I'm like, uh, a minute? Can I finish that email? And then that desire vanishes and fades just like that. You know, <laughs> it's interesting that Regina talked about gas because I, I thought about the same thing. When we had gas shortage in the city, everyone was just like going to town. I mean, line up for hours and then bring your tank, your mason jars, whatever you could find at home. Just put some gas in there. <laughs> you know, we never know. We might be like, this is the apocalypse of apocalypse. And, uh, and I'm just going to do whatever I need to do in order to 
take what I need for my life. Why is it that we don't do that for the spiritual things? We become hoarders in the natural, but we become poor and wretched in the spirit. Oh, well, you know, I mean, like, I'm so busy. I can't, I, you know, my life is just like a complicated mess. Well, you know what? God will give you what you need to uncomplicate your mess if you trust in him. Isaiah 55 verse 2 says, why spend money on what is not bread? Why? And your labor on what does not satisfy that's a question that God is asking each and every one of us today. Why spend money on what is not bread, that is not providing the adequate nurture that you need for your body? You know what? Jesus said, men shall not live by bread alone. That is right. Because you can't just live by bread alone. you got to need proper nurture, right? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me. Listen. Listen to me. You think that he's trying to get our attention? I think he is. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. God wants us looking good and feeling good. If you eat what will not satisfy you, same illustration, eat bread just bread all day long, you are going to lack some vitamins, minerals, and something in your body is going to break down. And believe me, I love bread. You know, I wasn't born in Italy just for no reason. It was like, it's one of those things that just like God just puts on Italians, right, Jim? I mean, it's like bread and Italy just go together. So just give me bread, you know, my birthday. Oh, it's already passed. Never mind. God is trying to get our attention. Listen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. We need to be hungry for one more of more of what Jesus has for each and every one of us. Yeah, we're doing this as a tag team today. Wow. I want to share a little bit about what is the cost of following Jesus and staying hungry for him. Can we put up Matthew 16, 24, 27, please? Thank you. But why don't we read it together? Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Yeah. What does cost mean? What? Cost. 
any amount paid or required in payment for a purchase or a price. The cost at which something is obtained. What's it costing me to serve Jesus in 2021? To stay hungry for Jesus. When you decide to follow Jesus, it will cost you something. In fact, as a Christian, every single time you decide to put Jesus on the front end, center of your life, it's going to cost you something. Are we consumed with comfort, pleasure, and the North American pace to make sure we have everything we want? Are we coasting in our relationship with Jesus? Am I willing to give up and to invest in my relationship with Jesus? What does that look like? I don't know if you've heard of Leonard Ravenhill, but boy, listen to what he said. He's a, a late evangelist. There are three people, three persons living on the inside of us. The one we think we are, the one other people think we are, and the one God knows we are. That is a convicting statement. Who am I really on Monday morning? Right? Does the devil have need to be concerned about the damage that I will cause to his kingdom when I get up in the morning? Yeah. I'm not a preacher, guys. I've got to read these notes. I don't just can't. Yeah. Or does he say, ah, all good. Lois is distracted with some good things. She's not a threat to my agenda today. Wow. Jesus, I want to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. That should be our goal and our desire. And if it's not, we need a heart check. We need to check our lives, church, because we are, we are being duped. We are. Matthew 8, 18, 20. I'll read this one. You can read along. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of the religious law yelled out to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you want, to, want me to go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. You see, these guys had a very prestigious job of um, teaching the law and breaking down the law to the people. They were considered really the way to God, their teachings. Jesus was saying, really, following me is not easy. It involves more than intellectual mastery and great theological conversations. Following Jesus entails being willing to forego life's normal comforts. There's something inside all of us that wants to preserve things at all cost. We want God to either help us or we want him to get out of the way. That's what I struggle with. I don't know about you. Many times I want that answer. I want it my way. And if not, you know what, God, yeah, I'll come to you, you know, in a few days or when I'm ready. I believe the time is here that we can no longer take our Christianity as casually as we have. What does it take for me to follow Jesus? In a word, everything. 
my days, my nights, my time, my money, my effort, my wants, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my goals, my perspective, my preferences, my schedule, my reactions, even my coping mechanisms, my bad habits, my sin, my very self, my everything, every moment, every day, day after day, as long as I live. How do I stay hot for Jesus? Who am I listening to? What does my spiritual diet look like? How's your diet? How's your spiritual diet? Am I eating just enough to stay alive, barely alive? Is there spiritual hunger in my life? The things that are closest to our hearts are the things we talk about. And if God is close to your heart, you're going to talk about him. Right? Charles Spurgeon said, I will not give a rusty nail for your religion if you can be quiet about it. That which is nearest to the heart is generally most on the tongue. Check my heart, Jesus. Don't let something that doesn't even matter in the long run act as a little G in your life. The little gods always disappoint. God doesn't. God has a plan for your life. To put anything other than God at the center of your life is self-destructive. What are you trying to preserve that you need to surrender to God? What do I need to give you, Father? What are you asking me? What are you putting your finger on in my life? What's the little God in your life that's demanding more and more and providing less and less? Saying yes to God will cost you something. Saying no will cost you more, including what you replace God with. I want to leave you with a, a few quotes from A.W. Tozer. Christianity has been watered down until the solution is so weak that if it were poison, it would not hurt anyone. And if it were medicine, it would not cure anyone. Wow. What have we as a church gained if we're popular, but there's no conviction, no repentance, and no power? An experience of God that costs nothing, does nothing, and is worth nothing. Father God, have mercy on us. Cause us to come alive by the power of your spirit. Ignite the fire that once used to burn. Ignite the fire in us. Holy Spirit, fan into flame the gifts Fan into flame our love for you. I want you to know 
that every word of this is from my life. And I invite you to apply it and say, God, yeah, I don't want to be something at church on Sunday to come together and worship and, and be that certain persona. I want to be making the devil shake, literally, as I step foot out of bed on Monday morning and be effective every moment of my life, everywhere I step. Yeah. Jesus, thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Church, God expects and he wants us to be hungry for him. Davey, would you come? If the glory of God is available to us, why would we want anything else but that? If we are not hungry spiritually, can we just pause this moment and ask ourselves, why am I not hungry? Why do I not have that deep, strong, heart-wrenching desire inside of me? Why be satisfied with human approach to the kingdom when Jesus said, you can come to me and you can do church my way? I want to conclude with this in Luke chapter 1 and verse 53. It's Mary's song of praise. And she quotes, as a matter of fact, our text in Psalm 107 verses 8 and 9 that we read before. But it adds something at the end of it. It says, he has filled the hungry with good things, right? And we stop there. But then in Luke 1 and 53, it says, but he has sent the rich away empty. Now, is God displeased with the prosperity of the rich? Absolutely not. So what is it saying here? He is not saying that he is displeased with the success of the rich, but what he is saying is that if you don't remain in a place of dependency on me, if, you, if your reliance is on your riches more than it is on my kingdom and my righteousness, then you are missing the boat. And what may happen is that God may remove a blessing if we become so dependent on that blessing that we stop depending on Jesus. You say, would God do that? Would how many of you are dads? Yeah. Would you do something if you knew that whatever you were doing, even if it was tragic and drastic, would actually save your son or your daughter? You betcha you would. I would. There's nothing I would not do for my son or my daughters. Nothing. I would give my life for them. Jesus gave his life. God sent his son so that we might have life. But why is it that we think that sometimes God may remove 
our blessing because he wants us to depend on him more than we depend on the things that we can touch and feel because they make us feel comfortable. No, church. The presence of God that we talk about so much in this church, the presence of God is the presence of God. Hear my emphasis. The presence of God is the presence of God. That means that he is here. The psalmist says that he tabernacles with his people. And that literally means that he sets a tent in the midst of his people when they praise him. You know what? To have Jesus in our midst... Not because we are trying to conjure something up, but because we are desiring. We want Him. We need Him. We cannot do without Him. Guys, I'm telling you, I did not choose this. God chose it for me, right? He called me into ministry. All I had to do is say yes. Peasy, easy peasy thing, right? Not really. But you know what? If it's not for God, I don't want it. I don't care for it. I don't care to sacrifice my life on the altar of accolades. And, and I don't care. Whether you clap or not, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is the presence of God. And without His presence, we are not going to be here. We are not going to survive. I appreciate it for those of you of, of you who were here a couple of weeks ago when my friend Joel came and shared what he said about the way that we do church is the hard way of doing church. You know, we could just like get a marketing specialist to do a couple of marketing campaigns and just make us popular and put up some lights and, you know, just... Hey, everybody, invite somebody next week until it's like, you know, okay, I'm just going to bring somebody because I'm sick and tired of him saying it. And we just build a church for the sake of building a church. That's not what my heart is. That's not what my wife's heart is. That's not where the leadership of this church is at. We are hungry for more of God and nothing else will do. Would you stand with me?